Hello and welcome to another episode of the Formless Cup podcast. I am joined by Ida Wood and Roger Gascoigne. My name is Bessie Waring and we're here to discuss Formula 2 on track action at last in um, Jeddah where we had, I don't know, surprise wins were, were would be the right word, but definitely not our top pick got that win this weekend, and it was victories for Ayuma Awasa and Frederick Vesti, and um, I'd say less drama than the previous weekend, a nice, calm, relatively, as far as Formula 2 goes, calm weekend. Um, what are your thoughts on the weekend as a whole? Gosh, well, where, where to start? I, I mean, probably, uh, probably Ollie Behrman might take issue with the comment that it was a nice calm weekend I guess but um, yeah no I, I mean I thought two two very interesting races I I'm, I'm not sure whether it's me but I'm I'm starting to like the circuit I I really detested it the first year that they had it it just seemed too wild and and crash inducing but uh, I thought it produced some interesting races I mean it's it's I'm not sure whether it's the changes that they've made that it that it improved the sight lines um, watching on TV um, and and made for sort of more traditional races rather than you know safety cars every every two laps. So I, I thought the circuit had, had seemed to have improved, but again, that, so that might that might be me. Um, yes, you're right. I mean, in terms of the winners. It maybe wasn't the the names we expected, and uh, you know this time it was it was I guess Victor Martins who who looked to be the quickest quickest guy, but didn't didn't take home as many points as, as he should have done. And I'm sure we'll come back to to uh, Theo Porcher, but I think we're starting to see a bit of a picture emerging that there are some teams who are sort of now regularly at the front. Prima were sort of back on it, um, obviously with uh, with Vesti's win, but also Behrman's pace and, and good consistent performances, you know, for MP, Campos again, still uh, still running right at the front. So, you know, I think there are some, we're beginning to see the first sort of clearer sight of, uh, you know, a, a picture of how the season might develop. For sure, I think, yeah, you're right. Uh... Karma probably isn't the right word, but compared to some Formula 3 races, like you say, there was some safety cars. It wasn't a safety car-dominated weekend. Um, that first safety car of the weekend coming out for Zay Maloney after he spam, after all our plays last last race weekend. But then there was um, another another safety car shortly afterwards when Tailpool Chair collided with... Um, Ollie Beerman, whilst trying to pass, or as he passed, or just after he passed Martins, so that was another safety car, and it kind of really, the race really unfolded then into Iwasa's favour. Um, Ida, you, I think you covered that race. Can you probably sum it up in a better way than I just have? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, it gave off kind of 2010 GP2 vibes of um, nobody wanting to win until it came into our Alice's hand. And then speaking to the drivers afterwards, they basically said, well, yeah, we could have challenged Iwasa to the finish, but actually 
we felt like if we were going to do that, we were more likely to make mistakes and, you know, pull ourselves out of contention entirely. So it was almost that being in the lead was the best place to be. And those who were in the lead or were under attack this weekend actually were the ones who tended to make the mistakes. So Owasa just kind of kept it as clean as possible. And, and that's how he won. Um, but I do think the circuit changes have made a big difference in being able to have a clean race because, you know, safety cars breed safety cars. So if we'd had a really safety car filled race, then you're more likely to see even more mistakes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that the fact that we did see as much racing going on that we did shows that the circuit changes did kind of bring bring more out of the track, bring more out of the drivers. Certainly. Um, speaking of driver who got more out of the weekend, Jihan Daravala had a um, a not fun weekend in in Bahrain, but then came back with two podium finishes this this weekend. He did, he did I think he was close to challenging for the victory in race one, but did it wasn't wasn't quite there. And then in in race two, it was uh, um, it wasn't quite the same story in race two. Um, so Daravala won. Want to watch this this season, or has he has he really turned things around, or is it just a case of, um, is it really too early to say? Given these two tracks are very different from each other, but also very different from all the other tracks. I don't really know what how much to add about race two. The tyres, I think, were, were were going to be one of those talking points of the weekend. How representative that was for the the sprint race tires, how representative they were for the feature race. And I, I, I think it was a, I, I, I'm not quite sure if most of the teams didn't gamble on those that did gamble. It didn't pay, didn't really pay off that well. So, but I feel like tires were important this weekend. There, there was kind of going into the weekend because this was the first time this year the super soft compound had been used and it's only normally used at street circuits, hadn't appeared in pre-season testing either. And because you use a different compound in practice and qualifying, all of the rookies didn't actually try it at all until the qualifying session. So going in, there's a lot of unknowns about that and, and drivers not really knowing you know, how grippy it is because all their preparation they've been doing was also on a very, very different track. Bahrain's a highly abrasive surface, whereas Jeddah is, is super smooth. So that was a big unknown but when qualifying played out it wasn't really you know a surprising competitive order there was a big gap between first and second but that seemed to be more to do with drivers being very brave rather than uh understanding of tires and then in the races we saw kind of a similar strategy across the field in the feature race everyone tried to get the t- if they were on the same compound get it around lap nine or ten i think and then those who started on the other compound uh pitted late in the race and the safety car actually enabled them to then lengthen those stints so when they then went on to their second compound super fast at the end of the race because they only had to make it last nine laps i think so um tires i thought were going to play a big part in the weekend but in the end they didn't um all it really did in terms of seeing who's pace is best is because the safety car kind of came out halfway through the stint for a lot of people um we couldn't get a bigger sample set of lap times to go this is how well they can look after a tire for 15 or so laps because most of them only did nine laps before an interruption and then if they were doing a different strategy then the plan was to pit around that time anyway um so yeah lots of excitement going in but in the end tires had barely any factor on proceedings right then there we go tires should have been important, weren't important because 
safety cards. I think that's a good way to round that up. Maybe not should have been important, could have been important. Um, just race two, should move on to race two. It was a win for Frederick Vesey, head of Jack Doohan, and as I said before, Daryl Vala. Um, uh, once again, a, a race to forget for Ollie Beerman and 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 for for Marthans as well. This, this in this this future race. Um, Roger, do you want to can you talk us talk us through that race? Yes, well, Marthans made a bit of a poor start and just just lost the rev slightly, and and Behrman, uh got into the lead, and they had a a, a good uh, duel out front. Um, as um, as Martins got got past Behrman, pushed him wide and and caused uh, or allowed Vesti to get past his teammate and move up ahead of uh, ahead of Behrman, and then and both as you as you've indicated, you know both um, both Behrman and and Martins had had spins. Martins effectively from the race lead, um, but. Having pitted, and there were still, I think, five cars still in front who hadn't yet stopped. But uh, both both spun. Behrman kept it going. Martins didn't, um, and and allowed Vesti through. And I think you know Vesti wasn't looked looked pretty much in in control from from that point on. And then, uh, as as Ida has just talked through, some of those late stoppers then uh, charged up the the order in the final stages. Particularly uh, Richard Vershaw and uh, Arthur Leclerc, um, who who made progress in in the opening laps, and and Ollie Behrman continued to sort of just slip slip down the field. I guess probably also struggling struggling with with tyres uh, by the end, just to to keep it going. I think I think Martins and Behrman were were both sort of I'm not sure whether sort of suckered into a stop earlier than planned. They didn't want to get undercut. Uh, they hadn't been the first to stop, um, and those behind them stopped. So they they pitted probably earlier than they would have done on a on a sort of perfect strategy. So that was probably also a factor. I think. That what surprised me was how little I zero progress poor share made um, in the race. Um, I mean, he got the penalty for the for the Behrman incident that you you've talked about, but I was I was surprised that he you know given the speed that the Martins were showing in the same car was just stuck in midfield the whole race, and uh, I think. Uh, when you see him battling with Roy Nisani, who who actually did a good job over the weekend, I have to say, but um, you know that's probably not where Teo Porsche should be. So it's so a bit of a nightmare weekend, really, for for Porsche after the high of uh, of, of Bahrain. But uh, I think Vesti definitely deserved it. Really uh, uh, consistent, strong pace throughout the race never looked under threat and, and obviously managed managed the car and the tires well to well to the end definitely um and like and like you say about Porsche was probably the surprise like the surprise of 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 the weekend because he, it wasn't just i think so much overtaking in single seaters is isn't going to be easy but we did see it in we saw it in Formula One, and normally the opposite is true of Formula One to Formula Two, in that you can overtake in Formula Two, not in F1. But then we also saw other drivers in the F2 F2 field were 
moving forward. So it was pretty surprising to see Porsche not being able to get the better of Nissani and move forward, which means that he's now a point behind Ralph Boschong in the championship standings. Was it a case? I, I, I'm good. I feel like I'm being sponsored by a tyre company, but was it maybe like they didn't take that risk on the strategy? Could they take the risk on the strategy at that point in the weekend? I, I'm not sure if they could with tyres that they had left in everything. What were Porsche's options going into that final race other than you just need to overtake everybody by being better than them? I mean, if there was an early safety car, they could have pitted him and, and changed tyres, but you only have so many sets of tyres per weekend and obviously you're using them in more than once sometimes, uh, as is the case in the races. So, I mean, he could have done an additional pit stop, but that is totally dependent on there being safety cars when you want them to be and if you're planning on a safety car you then have to fully extract what you've got from those tires before you pit because if there isn't going to be a safety car then you still need to make sure those tires can last longer than you may have initially planned um so in that in mind it's just a compromise of how much do you push on those tires versus how much you bank on there being chaos sometimes you can pit and then there's a safety car and you've been very lucky and that maybe you've done it lap before you're already near the back, but then you're going to be right on the tail of everyone. So you may have lost two track positions, but you're only two seconds behind the cars that are five ahead in the line. Um, so strategically, you have those options, but you can't really predict what's going to happen. And we actually spoke to the drivers on Friday and almost said the same thing in qualifying, like, how are you going to plan if there's red flags, if there's going to be all this kind of disruption? And essentially, they said they couldn't, like, they wanted to get laps in early as possible, but same with the races, they they can't guess what's going to happen. So you've just got to be confident that your tyres are ready to perform at the time they need them to. So if it's after a safety car, that means having them up to temperature, but making sure they weren't um, worn through, not too much degradation prior to that safety car period. And then qualifying, making sure you get them up to speed, do a hot lap without traffic before any kind of interruption. Unpredictability is the, is, is, is the issue in in Formula 2. Um, the surprises of the weekend, what, what, other than, other than I feel that none of us predicted Porsche having such a, such a difficult weekend, what, what, what were the surprises of the weekend? Well, I guess uh, Martin's being, was it seven tenths up in, in, in qualifying or the, you know, the, the, the sheer pace that he, that he showed in, in in qualifying was the you know we we know the car's good we know that martins is good um you know it's it's um it's maybe a bit of a surprise generally that uh you know some of the rookies are now really on the pace of their more experienced colleagues so martins behrman maloney not this weekend but in in bahrain was very strong leclerc had a had a good race here um so i think just that that devastating pace and particularly the gap to porsche which may have been that porsche was was sort of a bit off off the pace um i'm not sure whether it's a surprise given bahrain that it shouldn't be uh, i think it was but um boshong and campos generally uh, and uh, still being really front runners and i thought Kushmaini, again, an, a very strong drive in the second Campos entry. So I think the, you know, Campos proving that it 
and Boshung that it, that it wasn't a one-off in, in Bahrain. They're clearly very strong. Both drivers are, uh, are performing well. And uh, so I, I think for me, the maybe Miney's performance was a bit more of a surprise. Boshong was sort of maybe a pleasant, pleasant surprise that it wasn't, uh, let's say, a, a sort of fluke in, in Bahrain and, and they're really, really consistently up the front. Although it's probably protocol slash default, I think Porsche's size of his penalty um, for the incident with Behrman, I'm t- I like because it was a huge error by him. And I, yes, the race had already been ruined. So that's a penalty in itself. But just for a five place grid penalty for such a major crash, which, you know, without the halo would have also had very major consequences. I would have expected the 10 place grid penalty. Um, obviously, you can't apply a time penalty because out of the race. Um, the other surprise, I might say, and, and it was kind of surprising in Bahrain, Benavidez, PHM racing driver, hasn't got too much full-time single-seater experience, done season F3, bits and bobs in EuroCup and EuroFormula. And in Bahrain, his race pace was particularly good. And he wasn't one of the people who was uh, too stopping to you know, be faster on a fresh set of tyres late in the race. And I was like, that's a bit odd. Why is he in the top 10 on here? You know, he's a driver very inexperienced. We've never seen him with this kind of pace in any series. And he did the same in Saudi Arabia. He was very consistent with his lap times, was down the order. And I don't know how much fresh air he's in, but he was managing his own race. And as a result, looking at the data, it was, it was a very impressive performance. The fact that neither PHM drivers really maybe showing the absolute pace of the car yet, um, it's maybe not a surprise because Chiru's has struggled at times, but then Fittipaldi put in brilliant drives last year. So maybe it'll become less surprising if they keep on doing this. And who knows, maybe Benavidez will end up fighting for a sprint race podium at some point. It sounds a bit like the beginning of a beginning of our awareness that Boshong was was good. He's like, oh, this this is something to, to to keep an eye on. And then three years later, he's getting getting that win. So I think that's mostly covered this week. We've got um, a lot more racing coming up this coming weekend with the Vote to Indy be, being on. I'm not. I I don't think it's actual Indy next. The USF Pro 2000, USF 2000, USF Juniors, all those things that have changed their names a little bit. So just enough to confuse you about what they are. Um, plenty of testing going on still with um, Formula Regional level testing still going on. And we've got plenty of reactions still coming up, which I feel like we touched a couple uh, on I, I kind of wanted to Easter egg some of that reactions into into our podcast. So reactions from Berman, Martins, I think by the time this goes up, might already be up. And um, some interesting things uh, from Ollie Berman by the sounds of it. Anything you guys want to do? Have you finished that giant list of um, Formula 2 level drivers yet, Ida? No. Um... I think I got back to 1970 European F2 season, have done all of Indy Next, all of Super Formula back when it was actually a second uh, TF series, GP2, F2, um, International Formula 3000, haven't only done a little bit of Atlantics, because there's only a few years we'd really consider it second tier. Um, then I have done one season of AutoGP, because also it's a bit hard to determine what years was AutoGP really like 
yes, it used three Formula 3000 cars, but was it really a second tier series? Uh, Formula 3.5. So I've done all of that, but because of all the racing we've had since and all the other data I have to look at, um, haven't finished that list. We've gone through the race data from Jeddah already. So uh, with our reaction, we'll be uh, posting like uh, race pace timings and things like that. Also, pit, some of the pit stop details are quite interesting as well with some of the teams and how they chose to run those tyres. Uh, other reaction we've got coming up. Yeah, we've got Behrman reacting to the crash. Um, circuit safety changes as well because we had several incidents where drivers spun and under the previous configuration, they would have ended up in the wall, potentially then bounced back into the track. But this year, they kind of stopped in the runoff and that was made a huge difference to how the racing went on and, and other sessions um and yeah loads and loads of testing so just non-stop numbers this week great I'll, I'll look forward to to that um can you give us a hint on who was who was fastest well what was it surprising considering the results who was fastest i wouldn't say it's surprising i think the interesting thing with qualifying is that victor martahan has not qualified off the front row He's qualified on pole by seven tenths of a second, and yet he's not the fastest qualifier on the grid this year, purely because his teammate did the exact same thing in Bahrain by dominating qualifying. Um, and race pace, a huge, huge gap between the kind of top two and then everyone else. Um, but I, I won't tease who who those two drivers are at the top. All right, great. Thanks both for joining me, and a nice. I think that was a nice, quick podcast. So hopefully that will be going up not too long after we've actually recorded it so um thank you for listening and join us next week for another formless cup podcast